homeschool expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. I'm glad to have you joining our conversation today with guest expert, Dr. Deborah Bell, who's the author of The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling Teens and Executive Director of AIM Academy. Today, we want to talk about homeschooling teens well, especially in light of our current pandemic, when so many teens are being pulled out of the traditional classroom due to COVID restrictions and are being placed into online or homeschool classrooms. Deborah, thank you so much for making time to join us today to talk about this really timely subject. Oh, my pleasure, Anne. So for parents of teenagers really leaning into this topic of what to do for schooling during a pandemic and maybe even feeling trapped by the circumstances of COVID, can you lead off our conversation today with a perspective of what's possible in this season? Happy to. Yeah, I think my advice to parents is, you know, this too shall pass Mm -hmm. and it's going to pass sooner rather than later, even though I'm sure we're all feeling like it's gone on long enough. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really important to show our kids how to deal with life's inevitable disruptions Mm. and how to be flexible and resilient and persevere and Mm. be optimistic in the face of adversity. So um, I think that's the most important thing for us to remind ourselves of of daily is just, all right, this is really inconvenient. This is uh, really challenging. It's unprecedented. Um, And I know that there are things that my teenager would normally be doing, Mm -hmm. right? And I think we have to just let go of Mm -hmm. that normalcy. I I just see so many, I'm, I'm living this because I'm surrounded by homeschooling families and parents. Uh, I still am very engaged with teens and my own children um, have school age kids. So I, I see this. I mean, I think the ones who are doing the best are the ones who've just kind of let go of, mm. uh, what is normal and they're seizing on the opportunities that you actually have right now that you're not going to have when we go back to some kind of, uh, predictable routine. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point that the more we expect we can duplicate now what we did in the past, the more frustrated we're going to be. So yeah, that's excellent. I remember reading one of your bios um, where it said you like to talk about the how, when, and why homeschooling works, but in light of what parents are facing today, how, how would you customize that message to them? Well, homeschooling to me, the essence of homeschooling, Anne, is that every kid is uh, is built for individualized instruction. Uh, I think all parents recognize that each one of their children is unique. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that those are the um, things about our kids that we should really capitalize on. And so mm-hmm. what homeschooling allows is for us to customize our children's learning path or learning journey and tailor it to their interests, their readiness, uh, their needs. And I think that's how homeschooling works best is when we as parents, and even if you're an after-school parent, you know, we're all homeschoolers now, right? right? And I think even when the pandemic 
ends, we're still all homeschoolers. We're, if we're parenting our kids, we're teaching mm-hmm. our kids. So I think having kind of this broader understanding of education, which is that my child really is built for customized education, and I'm always a part of that, uh, then we are looking for those opportunities and we're thinking about how we can support whatever my child is currently interested in or struggling in or ready to learn about how do we come alongside them. And um, why I think homeschooling works you know, why there is so much success uh, surrounding home education that is surprising or was surprising to the experts is because kids are really uh, designed for a customized education. And so whenever we give kids opportunity, which I think homeschooling facilitates more than a lot of other educational contexts. We give kids opportunity to kind of take charge of or have responsibility for or be given a voice in Mm -hmm. their learning. Um, They are motivated. And so um, we can't learn anything, Anne, if we're not motivated to learn, if we don't choose to engage and focus our interest, focus our attention. And so when you give kids that authority, that autonomy to pursue what they're ready and interested in learning, uh, they're going to have success. Mm. So that's why homeschooling works. And so that's what I guess I would say to parents right now. And this is what I'm hearing from parents, those who are, who are really trying to make the best of difficult circumstances is they're learning things about their kids they never saw before. Mm, they had, yeah. They have the time. They have the time just to observe and watch. And I think that's part of the joy of having our kids home with us or undertaking homeschooling is you really get to watch your children uh, blossom. Yeah, and, learn in a whole new capacity. Yeah. 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 And it's just a privilege as a parent to support that. You're like, listen, I want parents to know they really can relax. Mm-hmm. Kids are learning all the time. Our brain is built to learn it. And so, um, most of what our kids are learning is not even something that we've structured or decided we're going to teach them today. They are sponges absorbing all the time. It's true. Absolutely. And, and, and no more so than when they're teenagers, because they're having this incredible cognitive growth. Yes. Um, and so, uh, we really want to make sure you know, that our teenagers are having the opportunity to direct their learning and have uh, a voice in uh, what they learn and what they read and what they do and what they study, uh, because you, they have all of this really incredible cognitive power now that they didn't have before. Yeah. That development's definitely peaking in this time. And I appreciate how you point out too, that Parents, whether they are officially homeschooling full-time or not, are in some ways trying to customize education for their children. You know, when they come home from school, they're trying to complete homework assignments. I've actually known of parents of public school children who will go to the teacher and say, could you please give my child more assignments because this isn't hard enough or extend it in some way. So um, there are so many ways parents can be involved in education. So I resonate with your message on that. Uh, but you were just talking about teenagers. So I'd love to follow that track a bit further because that's our focus point for today. How is homeschooling teenagers, in your perspective, different um, during COVID for parents who may have been homeschooling their children prior to COVID? Uh, home, 
homeschooling during COVID is is uh, uncharted territory for all of us, even those of us who were homeschooling. Um, it's because so much that is typical of homeschool life has been taken away from us. Our co-ops can't meet in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still very involved with the homeschool community where I live and uh, I'm the president of a homeschool drama troupe. We had to cancel our musical. We just had to cancel our camp. Um, but you know what? We're, we were just on uh, Zoom meetings this morning figuring out what we're going to do now, but we're going to go virtual. We're going to, we're figuring out, you know, um, how we can socially distance. In fact, we're going to do a, um, we're now going to do a production uh, where the kids um, are going to, learn some monologues that are related to uh, COVID-19. Some people have already produced some uh, materials to use with teens. So that's what I mean by sort of seizing the opportunity that we have. It's like, all right, here's all these things we can't do. Oh, but we have a lot more leisure. We can be reading together. Uh, We can plant a garden. We can spend more time as a family. We can learn a new board game. Um, you know, we can binge watch a series, whatever. <laughs> I would say all of know, the above. Yes. Yeah. Do those things. Go camping. Right. You know, do the things that you're going to be hard pressed to find time for, perhaps when uh, your routine, when you go back to work as normal or when your kids go back to school as normal. I don't know. I, I'm also encouraging families to really evaluate um you know, what they did before. And I know a lot of families are realizing, my, we were so busy. I don't want to mm-hmm. go back to that. Right. Right. We miss the social, but not the busy side of it for sure. Um, yeah. And, and I agree with that seizing on unusual opportunities for the season. So I homeschool our four children, um, three of them now that one has gone on to public school for high school, but nonetheless, as a result of COVID, once school was done, we were able to sign him up for a, um, online, improv class five days a week for about five hours a day. And it was with second city who is the troop that, you know, eventually funnels into Saturday night live. So they're excellent, you know, really quality instruction. And he got on there with a bunch of kids, his age and did all this fun improv. So I love that you're trying to customize theater, you know, virtually and still find a way to make it work because, you know, at least what I've seen so far through second city and others, there are, yeah, creative avenues for still getting the kids active and interactive and, and that's fantastic. So as, as we're thinking then about practical recommendations, um, that you could even make to parents of teens who are new to homeschooling because of COVID and they're just trying to survive and hopefully eventually thrive during this pandemic. What are some practical things that you've seen in your community, perhaps that you could direct them towards, or just, um, you know, principles, guiding principles in this moment? Well, the first thing I want to encourage parents um, of teenagers to uh, prioritize is your child's well-being. So um, forget about the academics, and I'll I'll get practical with that uh, in a second, but I just want to make sure that parents um, don't... um, cave into this impulse that, oh my goodness, my child is falling behind in algebra or AP history or, you know, his reading skills, whatever, got to get ready for the SATs. We we just jump and think, oh my goodness, they're losing ground. And Mm -hmm. I'm very disturbed by any news reports I get where, you know, authorities are worried that kids are losing ground. Okay. That's just 
not happening. It's just not how the brain grows and develops. We're just learning new stuff right at the moment. So I do think we want to be very attuned to our kids' well-being. So are they being stressed? Are they being perhaps depressed uh, by the uh, the deprivation of, you know, meaningful relationships with friends that they can't see or uh, the lack of socialization, mm-hmm. uh, the monotony of some of our daily existence. I mean, I think um, I know in my own extended family, you know, I've now have my children who I homeschooled are grown and they have families of their own. I mean, we're just talking about these issues about, you know, are, how are we doing uh, and are we exercising? Are we getting outside having plenty of fresh air? So I would ask parents to, to allow your child's, your teen's well-being to uh, drive the agenda and mm-hmm. that uh, whatever you get to in academics, see, we just can always catch up. And so I really kind of uh, feel so bad for parents who are trying to work from home and have kids at home who they then have to kind of oversee their education or try to teach. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. So, so, well, I would ask you, Anne, I mean, how are you feeling? Like, do you feel free to kind of let the academics um, kind of be in a low drive instead of high drive during this season. Yeah, we definitely restructured here once COVID hit and our social disappeared as everyone else's did with swim team and co-ops and play dates with friends. Uh, because I agree with you, it became apparent that the stressors of not having those healthy outlets were inhibiting our ability to learn the way we learned before. So we continued learning, but we modified it. And I developed a summer learning program for the kids that are incentivized where they can earn points or prizes or whatever if they want to be self-motivated to go farther in their typing lessons or read this list of books or practice Chinese or whatever the possibilities are so that they feel like they have control over that um, and they can be a bit more self-guided with it this summer. But um but yeah, I you and you're if I recall, you have a doctorate in educational psychology. So when you're speaking about the psychological health of our children, this is not a hobby for you. You're actually quite well educated on that subject. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 accurate. And so yes, I'm I'm speaking from the research. And and so what you just described, I just want to commend your instincts oh, for what you. you did for your kids because you made it novel. You showed them how okay, we're going to make COVID-19 special. It's mm-hmm. going to be a special memory and so and you gave your kids some agency. You gave them control when so much is out of control. Mm-hmm. I mean, Really, we tend to treat our children as if they're some kind of different species than we as adults are, when how adults learn best is really a clue to how children learn best. And how adults thrive best is a clue to how children thrive best. So you, Anne, when you have no control over your life and somebody else is making all the decisions for what you do every hour of the day, that is very demotivating for you, right? Right. Well, why do we think that somehow children are going to learn best when we put them into a context where somebody else is making all the decisions for them every hour of the day. Right. Flexible structure is what we're calling it. The opportunity to modify 
themselves what they need with some sort of an outline, right? I'm not letting them run free all day, every day with nothing to do because that's just, <laughs> they're going to get bored and, and get overly creative and maybe negative spaces. But, uh, but yeah, to give them a lot of positive suggestions, my daughter built her own garden this, this spring and has been managing that every day. Or, you know, a lot of the suggestions you gave of binge watching Sherlock Holmes, you know, whatever it is, that's fun. Um, there are definitely creative ways to get through this season. And, and like you mentioned earlier, there is this fear that I know parents have of my child is getting behind. And one of the articles I wrote that addressed this is just responds with the question, getting behind of who? Like everybody is struggling right now. They're, I've been speaking with deans of admissions at universities, and they're all saying the same thing, which is when it's time for this generation of students to apply to college, all of us are going to remember what we had to survive collectively, and none of us are going to hold them to some unrealistic expectation of what they could have been outside of COVID. It's going to be a whole new world. And that encourages me as a parent to say, okay, take a step back. What do we need to keep our kids healthy, not just physically, not just mentally, but also emotionally during the season? So I appreciate your points to that. That's great. Yeah, I think so, we just need to go rethink. Ahead. Yeah, I think we just need to rethink. Um, you know, our whole view of learning, you know, that we think kids are falling behind, like you said, falling behind whom or falling behind what, like, what were they chasing to begin with? And it, it really, so, you know, so you do, so you get rusty, right? If, 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 um, you know, one of my daughters is fluent in French, she was one of her majors in college was French. Mm -hmm. Oh, she doesn't use her French for a while. Um, she really, it's, she's very rusty, but you put her in a circumstances, even 10 years out of, out of university, uh, where she's surrounded by French speakers. I mean, give her a couple days and she's, she's right back where she was. Right. right, it's, it's, right. And she's not unique. That's how our brains work. Yes. We recover quickly. So I, I really think that the people who are lamenting, uh, the gaps and the attrition that kids are experiencing, uh, don't have a very good understanding of, of, uh, cognitive development. Uh, it, they're gonna, first of all, kids are learning so much about how to cope with life mm -hmm. that, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want this to go on a minute longer than it has to, but I still remain fairly optimistic about the opportunities that we have to develop some very healthy life skills during COVID. Yeah, I agree. And so then if we like, let's just for a moment, even table the COVID side of things, um, because your book, The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling Teens does have very practical recommendations to parents about how to think about homeschooling teens, which may be different from homeschooling elementary or early, you know, junior high. So with that in mind, can you give us kind of an overview of what you talk about in that book of just a few high points of practical recommendations parents should consider as they step into homeschooling teenagers? Sure. I'd be happy to. So uh, keeping in line with my theme that, you know, kids are built for customized education. I think if you consider the world that we're trying to um, prepare our children to be launched into, it's a highly specialized world. Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, the fact that our children are individuals and they have unique gifts and I believe calling on their lives, I do think the wonderful opportunity in homeschooling teens is that you can give your kids, uh, the, the freedom that he or she needs to uncover first what her or his, uh, 
in intrinsic uh, interests and talents might mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. and begin to pursue um, lines of inquiry that interest them. And um, and mostly, I think homeschooling teens should be about learning how to learn. And even what your teen thinks, uh, even what your teens think they might want to be when they're teenagers. I mean, how many people actually end up pursuing occupationally what they thought they were interested in when they were in high school. And, and so I don't think it's so much about figuring out, Oh my gosh, he wants to go in the health sciences. So we're not going to really pursue the health sciences. Well, I think the benefit of pursuing the health sciences in a really projected, uh, protracted way is not necessarily that the child ends up in the health sciences, but because the child's so interested, mm-hmm. that child really learns a lot about how I learn best. So I think uh, if you're homeschooling teens, it should be about helping your teen figure out how do I learn best? How can I answer my own questions? How can I figure out what I should do with my life? Mm-hmm. And then giving them an opportunity to experiment, right? Yeah. You can have your daughter out there gardening, right? Yeah. She's learning a whole lot about yeah, whether she's that's- eight, so she's doing it herself. Yeah. But no, your example of the health sciences is is spot on. So I was homeschooling, excuse me, I was homeschooled for part of my childhood. And for part of it, it was about age 12, 13. I was fascinated by the health sciences. So my parents were able to make some connections with various people in our small town. And I went and job shadowed with a pharmacist for a day. Um, I, another day I job shadowed with a biomedical engineer who was making prosthetics. And then another day I went and followed a surgeon around on his rounds, as well as going in to see two surgeries in the OR. And it was fascinating. And Ultimately, I ended up not going into the, the health sciences profession, obviously, you know, doing this instead. But what I learned about myself from that process was invaluable. So, yeah, I agree with you not to shy away from the subject areas that our students are fascinated by, because who knows where it might actually lead and what does it teach them about learning and themselves uh, in, in the process of it. So that's great. And your book, too, The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling Teens, um, is not just the big theory life questions, though, that you're asking. If I recall, you have a lot of practical step-by-step, you know, what you should be thinking of when you're 12, if you're planning to go to college and prepping, you know, resources and keeping track of um, test scores. And, and there's a lot of that in there too, right? Yeah, I do get into the record keeping and um, how to work backwards from whatever you think is the most competitive opportunity that your child might want to pursue mm-hmm. after high school. But you know, I got to be honest, I think everything's kind of up in the air now. Yes, <laughs> I really yes. think higher education is a huge question mark uh, following this. And um, I do think there's still a lot of helpful advice in there in terms of figuring out how to help your kids figure out, you know, what trajectory they want to follow. Yes. Um, you know, after COVID has not yet been written. So that's yeah. okay that this is not that book because <laughs> we aren't yeah. done with it yet. But But the book is written you know, with your personal faith perspective as part of it, because that's who you are. So for homeschool families coming from a different worldview than you might have, how do you recommend they adapt that tool to meet their needs? Um, 
I've been really pleased with the wide audience that that book has found. And even though I am speaking from our uh, Christian faith that uh, we shared, my husband and I share, and that we passed on to our children, my experience with families uh, who are attracted to homeschooling is almost everybody has a very strong value system, mm-hmm. um, very of uh, a, a, a moral code and a faith tradition, whether it's mine or another. I mean, I feel like we have a lot of commonality in terms of no matter what faith tradition or moral compass um, people are coming from, um, we really care about passing that on to our kids. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I tried to write it in such a way that it wouldn't be off-putting uh, or make the presumption that I was uh, speaking only to a audience that shared my faith. Oh, and I, I hope that families who use it might be able to just, you know, replace my own examples with applicable examples from their own, um, like I said, their own philosophical perspective. I, I do find that, uh, you know, the homeschool community is getting extraordinarily diverse, mm-hmm. but we still have so much in common. I find with the families that I'm talking to, we, you know, we really do believe in the uniqueness of the child and we do really want, we believe in the value of human relationship and the notion of, uh, being kind and, um, pursuing justice and treating each other fairly. So um, I, I think that uh, a lot of the resources, whether they come from a Christian perspective or not, um, can still be used by a, a much wider audience of, of families without causing great offense. That's good. Well, I commend you for being authentic to who you are and at the same time looking for ways to be welcoming to readers who might be outside of that perspective. Um, because, you know, in keeping with what we're talking about, customizing an education to the child, we're also customizing it to the family. We are finding ways to bring in whatever our heritage or culture or worldview is and and really weaving that throughout the course of our day with our studies. And so that you can give examples from your own life, of course, those will be colored by your own value system, but that other families can then adapt that to theirs is fantastic. So thank you for, for, you know, being transparent about your own story in that so that families can make that adaptation. Um, so if I can steer a, a slightly different way then, so if I, you know, if I, if I look down at your credentials and what you're doing now, so I see a doctorate in educational psychology that you homeschooled your four children who've now grown, you've authored two books on homeschooling, but currently you're the director of AIM Academy. What is AIM Academy and how is that relevant as a resource given our conversation today? Um, so AIM, AIM Academy is, um, we provide online classes. We have more than 200 online classes for students fourth through 12th grade okay. that we offer. I have 22 teachers, um, who work with me and we're all former homeschool parents or homeschool graduates. We were homeschooled ourselves. Uh, and we do have qualifications in the subjects that we teach. So, um, in anything from, you know, French and all the sciences, Spanish, German, uh, history, AP classes, uh, lots and lots of English and literature classes. Um, because I do believe, uh, kids, you know, they, Parents should oversee and direct their children's education, but I don't believe parents need 
to be or should be the child's only teacher. What I did with my four kids is I went out and I found other experts who were passionate Mm -hmm. about their subject matter the way I was about mine. I started out as an English teacher, so I was very passionate about writing and about literature. But my best friend, Vicki, is a scientist and she homeschooled her four kids And I was like, hey, Vic, will you teach my kids science if I teach your kids how to write? And we collaborated that way. And and so that's sort of what AIM Academy is, is, you know, we're we're offering um, online classes um, and we have about 700 students this year who are taking these classes with us. So it's a it's a you know, it's a great community for um, children teenagers, uh, to be taught by people who love, uh, to love to teach kids and love their subject matter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as the executive director, I, I try to invest in my staff development and building into aim Academy, uh, what we do know from the research, um, mm-hmm. into the science of learning so that we're creating an online environment that does support, uh, kids, learning and interest in learning. So it's not, our focus is not just uh, success in the course in terms of mastering the material, it's increased interest in the subject matter Mm. is what we want to see as an outcome. So both of those. Yeah. And, and AIM Academy then was developed as an online instrument, if I understand you prior to COVID. So this is not a reactionary now that we're all in COVID, how can you homeschool your kids? But this was actually a format that you have established and it's well-practiced and um, intentional that you're trying to create an online learning community. Is that right? Oh, yes. We're 10 years old. This is our, we're heading into our 11th year. So uh, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. I just, I love uh, teaching and I, I, I no longer teach myself, but it's where it sort of started is, um, Mm -hmm. And it's called AIM Academy because we are uh, aligning our courses with advanced placement and CLEP and other equivalencies exams like the SAT subject test. So we start like in seventh grade and we're gently introducing the skills and the concepts that are kind of tested in these equivalency exams uh, so that by the time kids get into 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, they can take these tests if they want to. Many of our students, this doesn't interest them, but uh, for students who want to, they've been well prepared to score high on those exams. So my daughter, Catherine, for example, she she had 40 college credits completed by the end of high school through equivalency Mm -hmm. exam testing. That's great. Uh, that allowed her to win a lot of scholarships. So that's sort of where we're coming from that makes us unique in the market space. Yeah, that's great. And so for parents then who are having that mental debate about, do I put my child back into public school for Zoom schooling? Do I homeschool and feel like I have to do everything myself? This is sort of a nice bridge between the two where a parent who's new to homeschooling may be overwhelmed or unclear on how to educate can really access a lot of the core content right through your academy in a way that provides accountability and structure and um, guidance. Am I understanding you correctly on that? Yes, yes. I mean, I think this is why homeschooling is growing is because uh, being able to online education is growing and you can uh, farm out or find uh, expert teachers, master teachers for your children 
in an online environment in any subject you can imagine. We're certainly mm-hmm. not the only um, online provider out there, but I, I see this as a way to help families where, especially where both parents, um, you know, need to work or have, right. have professions that they're trying to pursue at the same time, something like AIM Academy. I mean, we don't, we don't have kids online all day long. We, our classes meet once a week for an hour live, but mm-hmm. we have, but we have interaction through discussion boards and uh, chats and video instruction. I mean, going, going back and forth throughout the week, there's a learning management system where kids sign in, take their classes and see what they need to do today. So it provides some accountability, but we don't having the kids strapped to the computer. That's um, great. That's I a good think, clarification. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they need to be about, <laughs> they need to be outdoors. They need to be breathing fresh air and they need to be reading, they need to be building and drawing and singing and all kinds of other things. Uh, but we will, we do provide, um, what I think is a highly engaging, structured, systematic approach to the traditional subjects that kids Mm. would be having in a, that's so excellent. Yeah. What a great resource. So then you have a specialized curriculum you've also developed called Writers in Residence and Readers in Residence, which if I recall, is not necessarily directed towards teens, but could still be helpful to families now needing to homeschool a range of ages. Can you explain more about those two programs and and who they really, who would benefit most from them? Well, Writers in Residence, Readers in Residence is a fourth through eighth grade uh, curriculum, but um, the upper levels can be used with teenagers, maybe ninth, 10th grade at the Mm -hmm. outside. And yes, it's, it's a writing program and it's a literacy program that I have developed. That's great. And that's great that they can adapt it and flex it as needed. Uh, Because one of the things we talk about a lot on Homeschool Expert is that the numerical grade that is traditionally associated with your child's age may or may not be accurate. They could be farther ahead. They could be needing some more support. And that's one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is being able to provide that customized level um, and not have them feel like something is wrong, but really being able to challenge them the way they need to be challenged. So yes. And yes, it, yes. So that the whole way that we, uh, assign grade level to kids is arbitrary yeah. and it's not at all normative for a kid to be, uh, doing what we call third grade work in all subject matter. It's yeah. far more normative for kids to, you know, third grade in this, fifth grade in that, second grade in here, sixth grade there. I mean, so this arbitrary scope and sequence and timeline that we've created for kids, there's no scientific validity to it. And we just, it's because we have to mass educate our kids that we mm-hmm. standardize them, but right. we're really not standardized. If you just take a look at your children, <laughs> how and we're then, performing in different subject areas, right? Yeah, nobody's really standardized. And do we want a standardized child anyway? Is that our goal <laughs> as adults? Standardization? Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's a great point. And it's always, uh, you know, surprising to be out in the community and some polite, kind stranger will turn to one of my children and say, what grade are you in? And my child just stares at them blankly because they have no idea what to say. They're like, well, in which subject? Because in math, I'm in this grade. <laughs> in reading, I'm in that grade. In science, I'm this one. And the poor stranger has no idea what to say because they're just as lost now as my child is. We just, they just say, I'm 11. Okay, great. Exactly. <laughs> 
Um, this has been so helpful, Deborah. So, so what final thoughts do you have for our friend listening today who may be new to the idea of homeschooling teenagers? Just two things. One that I already reiterated is uh, please just uh, seize the moment for all of the possibilities mm-hmm. that uh, this moment in your life and your teenager's life holds um, and forget about the normal. And the second thing that I would say is that, listen, if you find yourself emergency homeschooling, there is a wonderful, warm homeschool community out there mm-hmm. ready to help you. Uh, there are so many websites and podcasts like this and uh, that have been launched, Facebook groups, um, the homeschool community, uh, those of us who've been doing this for a long time, um, are thrilled that uh, our m- means of education has been legitimized mm-hmm. through COVID nineteen. Things that we spent years trying to accomplish was uh, was accomplished overnight, and uh, now everybody is a little bit more aware of homeschooling. So we're ready to welcome you and to serve you and support you because we're so happy to be able to show the world um, mm-hmm. the the benefits and the joy of homeschooling and to help. I think that's, you know, people are eager to help emergency homeschoolers um, uh, be successful so you don't have to go alone. Yes, you are so right, Deborah. I'm all air high five you from here. That is <laughs> absolutely, absolutely the welcoming message uh, of encouragement. What we want to give parents that we are here to help and that they can do it. We we believe they can do it, not because they have to do it alone, but because there is a community. As you have developed through AIM Academy, and as you've pointed out with other co-ops and community networks, where we can all do this together. Deborah, thank you so much for making time to share your perspectives and experience with us today. I am so grateful for the opportunity to host you as an expert on our show. And thank you, especially friend, for joining us. I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining Ann Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.